You're listening to The Business Marketing Show, episode number 72. You can find us at businessmarketingshow.com on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. Hello and thank you for tuning into the Business Marketing Show. Uh, I am your host today, Ed K. Smith from Online Impact, here with my co-host Brendan Tully from the Search Engine Shop. And we have a guest on the show today, Reg Sorrell from onlinevideosperth.com.au. And uh, we're going to be speaking with Reg about the importance of having video as part of your online marketing strategy, or even offline marketing strategy for that matter. And uh, we'll be discussing Reg's background and how he got started in the video production industry and uh, what led him to this point, and some very useful hints and tips on how to take advantage of video for your business. So thank you, Reg, for coming on the podcast. Great to have you. My pleasure. Thank you for the invitation. You are most welcome. It's a very, very important subject, and uh, it is a very uh, talked about subject at the moment. And with the absolute massive expansion of YouTube and Facebook and other video platforms, and the the high consumption that uh, people have of video these days, you really can't ignore it. And I think ignoring it at your peril would definitely be the case, particularly for anything online. So. So you're you're in the game. Uh, you've you've got a business that produces videos uh, for clients of all shapes and sizes, and uh, but you obviously didn't start off this way. So as we do with all our guests who come on the show, we like to backtrack a bit and uh, what led you to this point. So going going back, um, I can obviously tell that you've got an accent, and I know, I know you do because I know where you're from. But uh, you, you're not originally from australia where where did you come from um i'm from scotland originally uh i'm from a, a town on the clyde about 20 miles west of glasgow called greenock greenock okay the new yeah. laddie okay the new. yeah so uh yes i am born in scotland as well a lot of people don't know that but i was born in hamilton so i'm a scotsman and uh and brendan's an irishman so we all come from the united <laughs> kingdom area uh, so when did you come to Perth? How long ago was that? Oh, we came, we arrived in sunny Perth in December the 6th, 1980. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So you've been here a, a long time. You've, well, by, by that account, you know, you've been here probably longer in Australia than you, you spent in Scotland in your life. Very much so. Yes. I was only, oh, if I say how, how old I was, it would give me my age, but I was, uh, I was nine when I came out here. Okay, nine. So you were just a wee laddie. Just a wee lad, exactly. Yeah, and you were only eight, weren't you, Brendan, when you came out? Correct. And I was even younger than both of you, so I'm not even going to say that. Uh, so what were you doing uh, in Scotland before you came out here? Oh, well, I was a young boy, so we were just in primary school. That was it. Yeah. So my dad uh, worked in the North Sea. So yeah, okay. So your dad, your dad was uh, in the North Sea working what on uh, oil platforms. Correct. Yep. Yeah. Uh, okay. And what was the decision to come? Was it work related that brought you out here in terms uh, of what your dad was doing? 
Yeah, very much so. Um, not to get too political, but we were in the, sort of in the, the midst of Thatcher's Britain at that stage, yeah. and um, on the on the clay, we were a shipbuilding town, and um, everything just shut down. So uh, for for work, my dad had to look further afield, um, and then he obviously got jobs in the, the North Sea, and then um, the opportunity came to possibly emigrate to a country where there was a they were just starting a bit more of an exploration in the oil and gas industry. So okay, uh, yep. Yeah. Took, took advantage of that, and uh, my favourite comedian of all time, Billy Connolly, has many Clyde shipbuilding stories because he was uh, he he worked there and did riveting and welding and things like that. Um, well, and, yeah, and has some has some very very funny stories about stuff that went on there, uh, and that that whole area now has all been redeveloped into sort of commercial property and houses and stuff now, hasn't it? From my Yep, that's yeah, right. It's no, no longer building the great ships of of old. Same. So, yeah. so what was what was the first area of work you started once you know you'd gone through high school here in in Australia and went out into the world working? What what did you what were you doing? Um, well, when I finished school, I went to uni and started a business degree, okay. and wasn't really enjoying it and. Wasn't doing very well, which is probably a combination of my lack of enthusiasm and the fact that I was probably playing way too much basketball at the time. <laughs> and I decided to take a, a year off to find out actually what is do I want to do with my life, that whole journey. So yeah, I did yeah. a bit of traveling. And then um, I came back and decided that the, the minor units that I was studying as part of the business degree, which was media, I actually enjoyed more. So then I uh, went back to uni as I'm a true age student and uh, – did a Bachelor of Communications or a film and television, I think it was, back in that day. Okay. So, yeah, studied there for three years, and as part of my honours year, um, Channel 31 had just started up um, on the Edith Cowan campus, so we were encouraged to um, make use of that uh, that asset on the, on the university campus. So then I went out and teamed up with the local um, comedy group here called The Laugh Resort. At that stage, they were based at... Um, the Brass Monkey, and yeah. we made teen episodes of a comedy program that aired on Channel well, Channel Thirty One. Then I think it was the uh, the second the second season of their first year. Yeah, I, I do remember that. They they were very good. So okay, so what year was that in? Oh, you'd be testing my memory now. Um, late nineties, late nineties. Okay. Yeah. So what led on after that experience? So you'd, you'd had all that work under your belt and the experience of working on that show. What happened after that? Um, I got offered a job in Wagga Wagga. So good, they named it twice. Um, <laughs> working for Prime Television, which basically broadcast Channel 7 to, the, to their country market. So I got a job with Wagga, uh, Channel 7, Wagga Prime, um, making their commercials. Okay, so that was uh, so. What aspect of working on the commercials were you doing? Were you uh, tell tell us more how you were doing that? Well, I, I was producing the commercials, so it was all to do with client liaison, working out what they want, and then scripting, shooting, editing, getting approval, getting it, um, approval from the client, and then um, classified by the channel, and then getting it on air. Okay, so sounds like exactly what you're doing now. <laughs> So, <laughs> except not with a station, with your own business. So, yeah. so then you've moved on, and um, how how long were you in uh, Wagga Wagga for? I was there pretty much two years to the day. 
<laughs> right. Okay. I, the reason I know that because I my first day on the job was the September tenth, and then the Tuesday was September eleventh. Ah, oh, two thousand and one, and then pretty much the same week of that year uh, of that month, I'd left two years later. So right, okay, yeah. So that was that was the uh, the landmark that you could see that yeah. was the same. Yeah, okay. And so then you came back to Perth. Uh, no, we we came back to Perth just uh, briefly, and then um, at that stage, my girlfriend had moved over to Wagga, and we both decided to move to London. <laughs> okay. So you're getting around, mate. So, well, yeah. So, well, working in sort of television, obviously, the London or Britain to a degree is uh, a bit of a mecca. Yes. Uh, so that was the idea was to get there and um, work on some good programs and perhaps maybe even work for the BBC at some stage. So that was the goal. Um, but when I got there, I, I actually found it um, quite difficult because. Uh, you know, I had decent experience, but the whole attitude was, well, you don't have UK experience. You don't have UK experience. So then I had to sort of start a few rungs lower than I anticipated. Yeah. Um, but that was that was fine. I worked on some good, some interesting programs. Um, so I did that for probably close to three or f- three years, working on different shows. So I worked on, um, it was mainly sort of factual programs then, so um, the more Popular one would have been Big Brother, Little Brother that I worked on with Russell Brand. I worked on House Pro- um, Property Ladder with Sarah Beanie. Then a few other ones, house-related, Honey, I Ruined the House and House Auction. Okay. They were sort of big stage. Um, so that was my sort of factual television experience. And then off the back of that, I got offered a job with the shopping television station as a studio director. Right, Okay. They, it was at the time they were called Big TV, and they had three channels, and they were the biggest UK shopping station. Uh, the biggest one is, is QVC; they're American based, mm-hmm. uh, but um, the one I worked for was the biggest UK one. So across three channels, I was working as a studio director. So I did that for about six years. So it sounds like you've pretty much seen it all <laughs> with the with the the things yeah. you, you've worked on. And Russell Brand must have been a handful to. Uh, did you work directly with him? Were you? Dealing with him, dealing with him pretty much every day. He, he actually wasn't. He's a super nice guy. Yeah, yeah. It seems seems like everything. I, I he seems like a very cool dude. Um, but he seems uh, irreverent, which is great because you know, yeah. as as Scotsmen and and Irishmen, we're very we're known for being irreverent. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, isn't uh, yeah. So that, yeah, so that's great. And and uh, so that was why you're in the UK, and then um, you ended back here at some stage. And what were you doing yeah. when you were back here? Um, two of my colleagues from uni decided they wanted to start a business and said, um, you want to do the same thing, so why don't you come out and join us, and the three of us will you know, will conquer the world. Yep. So that's essentially what I did. I came out. Um, by that stage, I was married and had a son. Mm-hmm. So they were still back in, in London. So I came out here to try and establish a business so I could get them out. Um, so what, um, we started off, the three of us together, but, that didn't actually work out that well. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes friends shouldn't be doing business together. Definitely. Um, so they've all we've all done our separate things. We're all still friends and stuff. So we've all got our own businesses now that we work work in. Um, so I, that's when I started up uh, online videos Perth, and um, yeah, been doing it ever since. Fantastic. And that was how, how how long ago was that when you started online videos? 
Um, I came back in 2011, so probably 2012, mid-2012 I would have started it. Okay. So in that time, even though it doesn't seem that long ago, we're talking you know, five, six years, so there's been a lot of change in the landscape of uh, people getting videos done and the the demand for it. What is it that you have noticed and, and, and sort of see where this is headed in terms of video production? Well... For want of a better expression, it'd be the trickle-down effect. Usually the video was always the plaything of the big big boys, you know, the companies that I could afford, um, you know, the, the huge crew that essentially it took to produce these videos. Yeah. Um, you know, I remember, you know, I've worked with guys that were around at the time when Bondi was throwing money around left, right and centre, and, you know, the, the money that was put into these productions was just ludicrous. Mm. Um but that was because, you know, they had the money and nobody sort of, the people who couldn't afford it just wasn't even on their radar. But now with technology and the digital space and internet and everybody now having essentially a little uh, television studio in their pocket with their smart device, yeah. um, become a lot more accessible. Uh, actually to get it distributed as well has become a lot cheaper because it's free on the internet. Before you'd have to, you know, you'd, have all this money in your production and you'd have a really nice looking video and then you've got to start burning DVDs, which back then was expensive. You couldn't do it on home PCs back then. Mm. And then you're mailing out to all these, you know, possible clients that you're looking, looking to get prospects. So it was quite, it was quite expensive, but just technology has made it more accessible uh, to anybody who's interested in it. Yeah, exactly. And I, um, look at a lot of the channels that I follow on, on YouTube and uh, the power that a lot of these YouTubers have now is amazing. Some of the guys I follow, they've got 7, 8 million subscribers slash followers uh, and they you know, they command attention from the niches that they're, they're in. So uh, they, you know, they still have to bow down to the, the wishes of, of YouTube and as I always say, Whoever controls the platform controls the scenario. And, uh, you know, so they've, they've still got to play by someone else's rules, but they've certainly got a lot more flexibility and reach than they ever could have had 10 years ago before it became what it is now. For sure, for sure. There's some YouTube, uh, the, the, I'm trying to think of his name, oh, PewDiePie, he had the, the largest following on YouTube yeah. there. He yeah. had more subscribers is than uh, the American terrestrial channels. So like your NBC and your CBS yep. had more viewers than them. Yeah, but he crossed them and they cancelled his channel. Well, I don't know whether he's he, got it back again. No, he's on the outer now. I don't know. I, I think he's having issues with YouTube and yeah. he's got a bit raw. Yeah, yeah. He he uh, he did some, some sketch to, and it had Hitler in it or something and he dressed as Hitler and anyway, he got... He he uh, did some things that were questionable, and that sort of raised the attention of the wrong people on YouTube, and he, he got shut down. So hence, yeah, you still you know you still got to work in the confinements of the the uh, the rules of the platform because they can shut you down. So unless you own your own YouTube, uh, you you still have to, you have to do that. But that being said, the average business out there. Uh, they're not going to suffer from that type of scenario because often they're just, you know, they're, they're local businesses who are promoting their, their shop or their service or whatever. So it's very unlikely they're going to, you know, have any issues with terms of service from YouTube, um, unless they start making promises or doing things. But anyway, that's, that's for everyone to make sure they, um, 
you know, dot, the, dot their I's and cross their T's and, and read the, the conditions. But so what, what do you find at the moment you're getting most demand for? What, what type of video production? In regards to what type of videos or where are people watching these videos? Yeah, where, where, where are people asking you? To, what, the main place they're wanting to get the videos made for, is it, is it mainly for online, uh, some TV stuff still? Where, what's the, the spread of it's, where they go? It's mainly a website and Facebook. Mm-hmm. YouTube seems to be a default because that's where a lot of, that's where most people host their videos. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so most videos that I produce are either for um, online advertising, websites, and, and probably Facebook's probably the most popular. Cool. And um, so, you know, lot, lots of people are waking up to the fact that having a video, uh, if done correctly, can be a, a good thing. So what are what are the, the pros and the cons of what you see in people getting uh, videos produced? What should they pay attention to and or, and be careful of? Um, well, first of all, you should pay attention to uh, purpose. It's the first thing I always talk about. Um, you have to have a purpose for the video. There's no point in making something for the, you know, because it's popular or it's trending. If you don't have a purpose, then you're not going to have, uh, you're not going to get the best results that you, because you don't know what you want. So mm. you're not going to get any results. You can go, well, this is actually quite beneficial. So it then becomes a, a problem because you think, well, I made this video. It's supposed to be popular. It's supposed to go viral. It didn't really happen. I'm not going to use video. I think it's a crock or whatever. So people can get spoiled if they think that they're going to, you know, catch on the tails of a of some sort of viral um, video or for a viral act, whatever it is. Yeah. Uh, so purpose is is first first and foremost. Always have a reason to to what you're uh, to to why you're making a video. Um. Something to look out for. Um. I, I can look at. That. I think it's like any sort of business transaction. Try and deal with someone that either you know and trust or someone that you know knows and trusts. Um, yes. Because you, obviously you, the person who's making your video, you have they should have your best interests at heart. Even though if you say, I want to make a video about this, this is what I think is going to work. As a video producer, if I was to turn around and say, well, actually, no, I don't think that's the best thing. I think you should be doing this. You should make this video because of these reasons. Then you've got to take that on board. You know, I'm I'm I'd much prefer to give you the right advice. If you took, if you didn't agree with me and went somewhere else and got the, the video made by someone else, that's fine. But I would rather give you the right advice to get to to try and help you get there or to achieve the results you want, rather than just pander to what you think you should be doing. Yeah, and it's it is that constant client uh, service relationship, and we get it all the time with the stuff that we do, don't we, Brendan? In terms of you know, the, they they come to you for to get things done and and for your professional service and your knowledge. Yet they still want to have control in terms of what they think is best. And in some cases, what they, you need their input for for their side of the experience of of their business that you don't have. But in terms of how it gets done, uh, it, it can be be a challenge that. You know, people say, oh, "I know the video should be done from this angle, and I think it should be shot all from down low, or you know, whatever the scenario is." They they start um, uh, giving you advice on how the videos should be produced. I'm assuming that sort of thing happens a lot. Yeah, you, you know, you, you'll get both sides of the story. Where the people just go, "There you go, you make the video and just come back to me." And other people want to direct the video and produce. Mm. 
it becomes becomes difficult when you're trying to, you know, give them the video that's going to get the results, but they're still trying to, you know, not I'm going to use the word pander, but trying to pander to the client a little bit. It doesn't really do anybody any favors. No, you know, if you if you're employing someone to 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 produce your video, you've got to have trust in them that they're doing the right thing by you. Because even though you might disagree with them, you know, if you if you can trust that they're okay, I disagree with you, but you've got the experience, you you know, you've got the knowledge. I'll uh, I'll I'll put my trust in you. That's really what you want, because then you'll get, you'll get the best result. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so in terms of video, and this is uh, a section that Brendan, if he wants to, can chime in on. Um, videos are ranking very well because they're the second, YouTube's the second largest search engine on the planet. It's owned by Google, um, or owned by ABC, I should say, uh, or Alphabet, I should say. Um, so in terms of SEO, uh, you, you, we're really starting to see even, you know, more and more as time goes by, uh, videos appearing in the, search engine result pages in the usually in the top five spots so uh brendan in in your view what sort of power have you seen with clients uh, leveraging video for seo yeah it's interesting um because when small businesses caught on to video stuff say back like eight or ten years ago like 2010 ish people were doing so the videos that businesses were doing were like a tv commercial um, and they were pretty horrible because TV is a completely different context to someone browsing on a computer or browsing online. Um, the style from a, an SEO perspective and engagement perspective, um, well, there's a couple of things. The style of video that we see working well for clients, um, I don't know what your thoughts are, Reg, but um, I like the, the about us telling a story about the business, not really a, like a, a pitchy video. It's more of a soft sell video. Um, and typically for, uh, for a lot of businesses, they, cause when we talk with clients, they have like a, we kind of split it up. They have a short sale cycle or a long sale cycle, a simple sale, or it's a complex sale. Like buying a, buying a house is probably a long sale cycle or, you know, finding a builder to buy a house, to build a house is probably a long sale cycle and it's a complex sale as well. And we found we find that those about us videos typically work well for those type of businesses where someone does just doesn't come to a website and clicks the buy button because those sort of businesses are all about having a relationship and it's you know being comfortable with the people you're working with. So um, yeah, those are the sorts of videos we're seeing online. But actually, we just did a test. Well, with one client, they had a new some new videos made uh, last week, and we uploaded. So the Facebook page has. Uh, about seven and a half thousand fans and the YouTube channel has about three and a half thousand subscribers. We uploaded a video over the weekend and in kind of three and a half days it had five and a half thousand plays on Facebook and it had 85 plays on YouTube. So there's definitely, I mean, you asked, your question was about SEO, but there's definitely a question, uh, something there with social engagement, um, particularly on Facebook, which is becoming a, a more and more important video platform. So mm. I don't, don't know what your thoughts are there, Reg. That's that's what I'm seeing from my perspective as SEO and and getting traffic from Google and, and that end of things. Yeah. Yeah, I made a, a very similar video for a client at the end of last year, um, and it, it really is a soft sale video. He, this gentleman exists in a very competitive industry, which is all 
all the all the consumers, all the, the clients really do buy on price. So he's trying to differentiate himself. So we made a little video just introducing him and uh, the people who work in his business to the viewer. So it really was on the premise that people buy from people. So if you can get to know the person behind the business, then that's a, that's a positive step to perhaps actually choosing them over someone that you don't know. Mm. And when we made that video for them, because they were um, they were getting, because it's a franchise business, but they were getting some discount deal with a, a new website and all the rest of it. But with the video SEO that I did for that business, there the video was ranking higher than the website for a while. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, we've seen can, that a lot too. Yeah, you can definitely um, use video to to get reach. It doesn't have to sit in your on your website, and then your website attracts the uh, the attention or the or the viewers. You know, you can actually use the video as a as a digital asset on its own. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I think that's the thing. That's the, the great thing about the video. It has multiple purposes and it can sit in different places. So you can, use, you can use it on Facebook. You can use it on YouTube, uh, to, to bring in visitors. But also if someone finds your website from another purpose that wasn't video based, then the video can be on there as well to, uh, to help, uh, convince that person to use the customer um, that business as service so in, in terms of uh facebook advertising well, not ad, well, facebook videos i should say uh do you find that there's a um comfortable limit in terms of the length of the video what what's the goal of trying to keep a video under a certain length and uh should it by default have captions um, because as most people know, if you're watching a Facebook video, uh, if you, depending on your settings, you've got, you don't hear the sound. So you're just seeing a video. What are your thoughts on that length and whether you should have captions in, in the videos? Okay. Um, length is a very common question mm-hmm. and I answer it, um, pretty much the same way. So as I mentioned before, with any video purpose is the main concern. But then you're going to talk about length, then it's who's the audience. Now, if you're if you have an engaged audience, then you can afford to have a longer video because they're interested in what you're talking about. If you're um, trying to advertise and trying to gain attention to your site, then obviously quicker. If you can get your messages across in a quicker space of time, then that will work. So there's no um, one, you know, one ring to rule them all type of thing. It depends on what you're doing, what you're using it for, where it's sitting, who's watching. So you've got to make decisions on those those criteria. Um, In regards to captions, um, yeah, I'm unconvinced either way. I think there's merit for both. And I think, you know, both have – there's an annoying factor. If I'm going to click on a video – if I'm interested in a video and I click on it, I don't necessarily want to see the captions as well as listen to it. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that I don't know if that's just me being a bit snobbish or being a bit weird, but yeah, that's my that's my sort of thought process. I can understand the benefits, um, especially on those first um, maybe five to ten seconds when you are trying to get their attention without any sound. Mm. Um, maybe have um, captions then, but. Isn't isn't there a way to do it? I'm fairly certain I've clicked on videos that have captions while you're not listening to it, 
well, you don't have the sound or you haven't clicked on the video, but as soon as you click on it, the captions go away. Maybe I'm imagining things. Have you have you seen that, Brendan, or is it just my my mind? I'll have to go. Well, there's it. probably two ways. One way is to have the captions in the video themselves, and then the other way is like Facebook. You can have uh, yeah, you can add the captions in, right? So yeah, that's, that's yeah, that's what that's what, what I was thinking. So yeah, I certainly don't. Yeah, I think having the 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 captions embedded in the actual video would be a pain because yeah, they're they're stuck there. But with the actual Facebook videos, um, that that would solve. Solve the problem if you could do that. So, yeah. um, okay. So, Brendan, any other specific questions you got for Reg? What sort of like what's a reasonable time frame? So, someone wants to get a video made. Like, what? It, it's like it, like a three minute video could quite easily be several weeks or months worth of work, right? Well, that's correct. It depends on how complex a video is. Um, if they're looking for like a high end uh, promotional or sort of corporate video, just to tell people how good they are, then um, a turnaround time, yeah, you could be talking a couple of months. Um, but, you know, simpler videos, I do basic uh, 2D animation videos. We can t- get them turned around in a couple of weeks, sometimes less. So it depends on how complex it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cool. Uh, so the, the main area that you work in in terms of video production you, are you working on things outside of the Perth area? Do you do stuff in the eastern states, or is it mainly in the West Australian section? It's it's mainly in uh, the West Australian section. Um, I have had clients from Britain and Queensland, but they're not regular. Yeah, so mainly yeah. Perth. So I suppose yeah, it depends on the sort of work. If you're doing animation stuff, then you technically you don't need to be on site to film anything. But if you're doing more more involved. Uh, video productions that require, you know, uh, backdrop settings of locations and stuff. You've got to turn up to the place with the cameras, right? So, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, cool. Awesome. Well, I think it's a case uh, that it's not if video is going to be important. This has already been well and truly established years ago, uh, but a lot of people get stuck, and I think also a lot of people because of the accessibility to uh, much cheaper equipment these days, you can buy a whole sort of setup from eBay in, in terms of cameras and lighting and stuff for, you know, two or three grand, which is not like it was years ago when it was 30 grand to get the sort of stuff that does high, high resolution, like even, you know, 4K cameras are pretty common these days. But yeah. just because you can buy the stuff, doesn't mean you have the skill to put it all together. And I think that's what a lot of people find. They go out and go, oh, yeah, it's so easy. I can just go and do this myself now. Uh, then they realize, no, it's actually not that easy. You need you need to know how to put this stuff together. So in, in that case, if you want it done um, properly and you want to have the desired effect, you really need to engage someone who knows what they're doing. So hence the reason we're talking to you, Rich. So... Um, <laughs> So in terms of uh, local businesses getting in touch with you, what's the, the best way for them to, to reach you, mate? Um, well, they can they can phone me or email me through the website. So uh, onlinevideosperth.com.au, there's a contact form there, and my phone number is at the top right-hand side of the page. Fantastic. That makes it easy. And, uh, yeah, so, yeah, you don't have sort of um, – you know, uh, packages or anything set up. You you really have to speak to the client 
to have a discussion so you can then do proposals for them and work from there. Yeah, exactly. I'd much prefer to um, work out where their pain points are and what they want to achieve. And then um, I'd rather sort of tackle it that way and give them a more bespoke um, solution rather than just going, I've got a marketing package here. You can spend you know X amount and I'll give you this, this and this. That that might be that might be good in the long term. You know, might be to sell a few packages, but I'd rather you know try and solve the problem that they've got. Yeah, exactly. It is a lot harder to to produce that type of uh, those those packages. We we find that as well. The, the cookie cutter packages, I call them. With some industries, yeah. it's easy because it's you know you're getting very specific things. But to tailor a, a video for a client, you really need to have that one-on-one sit-down conversation they're saying you know, work back from the purpose forward is what's you know what's required and what they're going to be using it for and what their end goal is and that's where they need to uh, have that conversation so uh, anything else you have to ask reg brendan before we finish up no, no, i think that covers it really fan if i could just fantastic. add something very yes we're talking about it. SEO before one of the another benefit of, of video having it on your website is the organic SEO. So all the sort of factors that Google looks for on a good website, you know, how long do they spend on your page, mm. all those type of things. If you can get a video on your page and people are rather than coming to your page and bouncing off after a couple of seconds and they're engaging your video and watching for 60, 90 seconds, that helps your Google search rankings. Definitely. So there's, you know, inadvertent uh, benefits of as well for having video. Yeah, and I think we've just been conditioned to to watch them now. And uh, as I say, we we all carry you know devices around that makes it really easy. I I would definitely I think I'd probably spend more time on my phone or iPad watching video than doing anything else. So oh, yeah, and and look, it's it's the fantastic thing. I I see some of the channels that are created on. Uh, on YouTube and the niches that these people create and they build these followings, it just was not possible years ago to do that. So uh, I think it's a tremendous tool. If you're not using it, you should certainly consider using it. It's not necessarily uh, right for everyone, but there's there's probably few scenarios where I can't picture a video being helpful. Um, So, yeah, contact Reg and have a chat. Um, and he'll, I'm sure he'll be able to work something out for you. So thank you, buddy, for coming on the podcast. Um, Thanks for the invitation. You, you're welcome. An important subject, and if you've got any questions, contact Reg. We'll have the uh, contact details in the show notes as well. So uh, thank you, Brendan, for your time. And I think Brendan's still there. Thank <laughs> Brendan. <laughs> I, I'm still here. He, he, he <laughs> muted himself. Um, not muted, but muted. So, uh, all right. Thank you, Reg. Thank you, Brendan. And uh, we look forward to speaking to you again sometime in the near future. Lovely. Thanks, Thanks, guys. Thanks, Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. Cheers. You've been listening to The Business Marketing Show. You can find us at businessmarketingshow.com on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher.